Welcome to the Community HealthCast, sponsored by the Queen's Community Health Board. I'm your host, Deborah Radall, here today with Elizabeth Bailey, our board coordinator and podcast editor extraordinaire. Hi, Elizabeth. Hey, Deb. I'm so excited about our topic today. Me too. And it's good timing because the kids are back at school now. Back to school can be stressful enough. And right now, maybe a little bit more. What do you think? Absolutely. And you know, I see from a lot of parents, just everything else they're doing on top of managing all of the changes and the stress from school, it's a lot. It is a lot. And so we um, have a really great guest today who's come back to talk to us. And I'm so happy to be welcoming you back, Shannon Hartland, who's a registered psychologist and certified mindfulness instructor. Thanks for coming back to talk about this kind of stress. Well, thanks for inviting me. I'm pleased to come on back. Well, Shannon, you have 20 years of experience providing psychological services to children, families, and staff in public education and the private sector. I'm sure you have some ideas about what might be going on in people's stress levels right now. Yeah, it's definitely a time of unease. There's no question about it. Yeah, there's so uh, the unpredictability of things just really create that unsettled feeling within our minds and our bodies, whether we're young, medium, or a little older, and a very normal reaction and a very normal response. A lot of us can relate to each other with uh, those feelings of trepidation and, and hesitancy as the kids go back to school, for sure. I think it's about managing our feelings around risk and safety and fear. A hundred percent. The way we respond to various situations has everything to do with our ability to cope in the face of adversity. And some of us do very okay with that. Some of us don't do as okay with that. Um, Some of us have better coping skills than others. You know, when it comes to highly stressful situations, some of them can even get to the tipping point of trauma because trauma can certainly rear its nasty head when the stress far outweighs our capacity to cope. But we all do that differently. So why might that be important for us to understand in this time? It's very important for us to understand that the very same event could be happening to you and me. However, the meaning for me behind that event and the meaning for you behind that event could be entirely two different experiences. And so this is why we have to be super respectful and aware of the differences in the ways people, children and adults alike, will respond to these various challenges um, that we're experiencing in in the world, in our country, in our province, in our communities at any given moment. So it really boils down to what does this mean for me? For example, with the pandemic, if there is a family who has significantly immunosuppressed individuals, which means they're more susceptible to becoming ill, or if they have loved ones who they cannot visit in the hospital, or they have elderly that they can't be visiting as a result of COVID, their stress response may be much higher than someone who doesn't necessarily have, for example, someone who is immunosuppressed or someone who is in hospital or someone who is at high risk of potentially coming down with this illness. So some people have sailed through this enjoying the break, whereas others have really been impacted quite strongly as a result of the fear and the potential of someone very close to them or themselves becoming very ill. 
And what I really want to be clear on is that the whole span of response is normal. It's okay to have these various feelings and worries. What matters most is how are we taking care of ourselves and using strategies to to help us feel as regulated as possible as we move through the unpredictability. I have this saying that sometimes I forget I'm in the pandemic. And then all of a sudden I go, something will happen. And it's not even anything specific, like looking at data necessarily. It's, it could just hit me from out of the blue. It's like, surprise, Deborah, we're still in a pandemic. My heart gets racing and I was fine two minutes ago. Yeah. And that's the roller coaster. Right now I'm okay. I'm distracted. I'm doing this something that I love or I'm really immersed in. And then it's like, boom, suddenly this kind of reality re-registers and resets in us. And the weight of that, the gravity of that kind of suddenly hits us spot on. Now, this is a really awesome opportunity when something like this happens to really using a grounding strategy. Reground yourself with your senses with regard to what is happening right before you in this moment. Basically, we have five senses. Grounding yourself in a moment. Here, I can see my lamp. I can see you and Elizabeth on the screen. I can see my paper in front of me. I can, you know, see my watch on my wrist. Uh, I can see the river outside. Five things I hear. I can hear myself speaking. I can hear my rings kind of moving a little bit as I talk and I move my hands. So you get the idea. Five things that you can touch. And what it does is it reorients you to right in this moment rather than the it's the pandemic and oh, now I can't do this and now I can't, I can't, I can't, you know, so it's redirects that thought process to right now rather than the what ifs, the disappointments, whatever, whatever it is that's facing you in that moment, bringing yourself back to now and reminding yourself that in this moment I am safe. And, you know, and, and the other thing that I also want to add for strategy, and I love this question. I think it is a phenomenal question. And it's asking yourself, is this useful right now? <gasps> I'm in a pandemic. And, you know, totally getting thrown off. Is, is this worrying? Is this sudden fear? Is it useful right now? And you know what? sometimes the answer is yes. And so, okay, this is useful. So what do I have control over? And what I have control over, I can then go and do something about. If it's not useful, it chances are it means I don't have control over this. And so am I going to allow this to take up the space in my brain right now, get drug around the nose by my fears when there is not one iota of a thing I can do in response to make this change? How does all of this apply with going back to school? How does all of this apply to school? Well, to be truthful, um, I think in many ways it's going better than all of the adults really expected. Great. Um, at the, you know, at the same time, are there little pockets, you know, of, of concern here and there? Absolutely. I think that the, the general response from the conversations that I've had in the community and in the practice is that, you know, the kids are handling it much better than expected. They are walking through those doors, you know, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, a general overview, you know, obviously, there are going to be children who are struggling following all the rules and and being respective of personal space and, and, you know, all of those things. But the general consensus is that the children have been phenomenally resilient, phenomenally 
adaptive to the regulations and the new rules and the new expectations. And I also believe that our schools are doing a really good job of recognizing the degree of experience and response to this pandemic for various children and their families. When I talk about that, I mean trauma-informed approach from a provincial standpoint. It means that the connection with the kids is more important than the academics right now. And so what we know about trauma-informed approach and what we know about the brain is that one needs to be comfortable to be able to maximize their potential. And if you are not comfortable, if you do not feel safe, your potential is going to be minimized. So pandemic or no pandemic, we know that 66% of the population has been exposed to a traumatic event throughout their life. So when we come from the perspective that this can happen to anyone and we apply the approach from the ground up with a trauma-informed piece, everybody is going to have an opportunity to potentially do much better than if we're not coming from a trauma-informed perspective. So let's say we're going through this, but we still see our children are struggling. What are the cues we should be looking for? What are we looking for in younger children versus middle school versus high school? Well, no matter what the age, you're going to see a change in behavior, okay? A a change in what we typically observe in our kids. With younger children, those changes might look like regression in behavior. So for example, a child who used to suck their thumb, no longer sucks their thumb, begins to suck their thumb again. Or a child who has done really well staying dry at night suddenly starts to wet the bed again. They might become way more clingy where they've been growing in their independence. Uh, They might have more difficulty separating from their loved ones. Whereas with older children, again, you got to know your child to see the differences. So older children may withdraw more. They They might present as more snappy and agitated. They might be more avoidant of talking. But if this is more typical behavior of your teen, perhaps what you might be seeing is the opposite. Maybe your teen is all of a sudden hanging around a little bit more. Uh, Maybe they're not as interested as spending as much time with their friends as they used to be. So, you know, really your gauge is change because behaviors are, you know, are are so uh, individual and we can blanket statement how teens generally present to us behaviorally day to day. But your, your key is change. How can you talk to them? So, you know, of course, the first response is simply ask, you know, how are you doing? And, and you might get nothing, right? You might absolutely yeah. get nothing. Asking different types of questions, you know, how was your day? What activities did you do today? Do you have homework tonight? What did you do at lunchtime? You can ask more specific questions rather than just how was your day or how are you doing? You know, um, how's it going with your friends? How's the drama lately? You can kind of ask more specifics. Having said that, you may still not be getting a whole lot. So uh, the other things that I might suggest would be setting up opportunities like while you're driving and they're listening to their chosen music and they're seemingly pretty at ease in those moments, you might kind of put a little tidbit in there to ask a question or how it's going. Sometimes when you're not necessarily sitting directly face to face and you're, you know, interrogating, sometimes those more passive kind of conversations during a fairly neutral activity can absolutely open up the comfort zone. I am a strong advocate for sitting down as a family at night for supper as much as possible, even if it's just one night a week. If you can only do it one night a week, that one night a week is better than no nights a week, right? So, you know, doing those kind of common 
um, activities together. You know, I, I think that some of the best conversations that families can have among parents and children or caregivers and children is around a meal. We are modeling how to handle stress day to day. From infancy, there's kind of three stages of regulating. There's the auto-regulation, which means that, you know, I could be bouncing my knee, which kind of feels a bit calming to me, but I don't even realize it's happening, right? Yes. Um, there's, uh, then there's, and, and really as infants, as toddlers, as children, they're very much auto-regulated early on. And it's our job as the co-regulators to model how to help them through their distress. So as infants, we are the co-regulator when we pick them up, when they're screaming and crying and we're, we're patting them, we're feeding them, we're changing them, we're trying to figure out how we can help them to calm. Over time, as we model how to calm, how to support, over time, our children are going to learn how to eventually more self-regulate, right? So there's the auto-regulation just kind of going off and nobody's really aware, right? And there's the co-regulation where we are helping someone. We have co-regulators even as adults, right? Whether it's our partners or our own parents or our best friends, you know, we all reach out. The self-regulation is when we are able to use our own coping mechanisms because we've had good models throughout our life to show us how. So this is where that self-care piece comes into huge play for us as caregivers for our children. We talk about our fears. We talk about how we worry a little bit. And we also talk about how we're handling that or how we're reflecting on how awesome it is to be in the province that we live in. We ground ourselves in that degree of safety in our province. Our province is among the most safe in, in the world right now. That grounds us back to, yeah, we're in a pandemic. And we're lucky to live in Nova Scotia. And look at the data. And look at all of the amazing professionals who have done an amazing job helping to keep us safe, helping to show us how to stay safe. You can show your emotion as long as you also show your coping mechanism. If I'm a parent, like this could be hard. This could be hard to do if, if I've never done it before. So what, what would you recommend to a parent who's maybe never taken any of these kinds of approaches before? Well, I think that there's a number of different things. So if you're feeling very alone and this is very challenging for you, there are a number of people um, that you can reach out to, whether it's a guidance counselor at school, whether it's seeking out you, you know, your own support what, through your family doctor or through a really good friend. It doesn't have to be professional in the medical or psychological field. You can reach out to the people who are your co-regulators right? To, to support you through that. Also too, though, there is a, there are so many wonderful resources, which I know, Deborah, I'm sure you and Elizabeth are going to probably post along with the podcast. You know, we all have the capacity to develop coping mechanisms. Sometimes we just need to be taught in practice. Remember, you have survived 100% of the bad stuff that's happened to you already. That's it. Yeah. Shannon, we could talk and talk and talk. And I want to thank you so much for joining us on the Community Health Cast again today and sharing your wonderful professional opinion on how to deal with stress for back to school. So thank you again. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks so much, Shannon.
for more resources on today's topic or to learn more about the work of the Community Health Board, visit our Facebook page, Queen's Community Health Board. Thanks for listening and tune in next week to join the conversation.